Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again, and we are sticking on the big gay brunch train again this week. Of course, last week we uh, sat down with uh, the BBC's Jack Murley to talk all about Big Gay Brunch UK from back uh, on May 12th of this year. Today, we welcome back a friend of the show, Patches Chance, to sit down and chat about what we saw just this past weekend in Chicago at Big Gay Brunch number seven. Uh, it was a outstanding show, top to bottom, great matches all over the card, and uh, it was just a whole lot of fun to relive it again here and talking with Patches about the show. Um, just I don't, uh, there's too much to really even like try and encapsulate in a short little intro here, personally. But um, everything from the opener with Ashton Starr, Finesse, and Alex Mays to the the closer with you know Sunny Kiss and Pimpinella Escarlata against Bussy, just once again showed that the Big Gay Brunch delivers uh at at all times <laughs> anytime that it is held so um we're not going to delay much further here we're just going to hop right into uh, my conversation with patches all about big gay brunch seven what's up guys gals and non-binary pals welcome back to lgbt in the ring and of course this week we are chatting all things Effie's Big Gay Brunch number seven, the third time that this giant queer wrestling celebration has come to the city of Chicago during All Out Weekend. And again, for the third time, it did not disappoint the Windy City. I will say this just so Val Capone does not get on my neck real quick. It was in Hoffman Estates. Or not a Hoffman Estates, it was like somewhere out in the Chicagoland area. Let's put it that way. It's just regular the city of Chicago. I don't want I don't want Phil Lindsay or Val Capone jumping down my throat about that. But either way, the brunch came to Illinois and it slayed once again. And here to walk through this event with me again, uh, returning to the show from Let Them Wrestle, Patches Chance. How are you doing today, Patches? Good. Thank you for having me. Excited to talk about Effie's Big Gay Brunch 7. I cannot believe we're on number 7. I know. I mean, technically, this is number eight because we had the UK one earlier this year. But I think they're they're yeah, breaking it up by by continent. We're, you know, the next time we look, we're going to be in double digits. What's happening? True. Just I time mean, I'm flying. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, I think the next based off of how like how often events have happened so far, like next year's UK brunch is going to be the tenth one. Yeah, like that's just that's, that's wild. It's, to, to it's crazy to see what it's become. Also, I can uh, at least according to Cage Match uh, confirm it was Hoffman Estates. OK, according I, to Cage Match, it was Hoffman Estates, the Grand Sports Arena. Yes, I thought it was Hoffman Estates. Please yell at Cage Match. Not yes, me. exactly. Neither of us. Just go leave a comment on Cage Match. A cordial yeah, crit just, critical comment. Just, just just leave a comment that's like 10 stars. Everyone on the show is amazing. Fix the description. That's fine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but but yes, uh the crew returned to Hoffman Estates um for the show. And honestly, like it it felt kind of like 
a natural, a little bit of a natural progression from what we see, what we saw during L- in LA during WrestleMania weekend, um, just based off of some of the matches that we saw. A whole lot of debuts on this show, oh, yeah. and of lots course, of, lots of exciting uh, names arriving and getting their chance to shine. Very much so, and then capping it off with a main event featuring a one bona fide uh, legend of the as, ring, as and, legendary as it gets, and then exactly. three modern day legends. Yes, and three people that are well on their way to being seen in that similar light as well. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll get to uh, we'll get to the many trials of Alley Cats trying to keep Effie focused during a match against. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look when when you have a chaotic pansexual with ADHD as a tag partner, I'm sure it's a challenge. So always, it's just it's, it's you do what you can. Um, as ev- yeah, I mean, we- as evidence just by the recent announcement, like you know, uh, GCW is going back to uh, the UK to co-promote with TNT again later this, uh, I believe this month or it might be next month. But they already announced like their match. Bussy is facing Act Two, which you know Jack Nunson and Benjamin Harlan. Um, Harlan, one of the like really bright up and coming queer performers in the UK scene right now, uh, and. We're already seeing Effie getting uh, hot under the collar and already losing focus month, like a month before the match happens. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, where he's at by that point. But, you know, as we talked about, so many great stars on this show and uh, a fantastic way to open, as always, as what as what feels like tradition now, Jay Rose and Poyle Del Mar. Yes, yes. I mean, it, at this point, you can't have a big gay brunch without... I would say I would even throw two more people into that: J Rose, Poyo Del Mar, Val Capone, and Beta Scott. Oh yeah, like, those are the those are the four like support crew on the mics that you need for a big gay brunch to feel like a big gay brunch at this point. Val, um, Val so and Veda on Val and Veda on the call is just fantastic. They're just such a great duo, and they really bring the energy that you need to this show. Completely agree. Completely agree. And obviously, it's always a, a great starting point there. Um, and that kind of, I guess, that'll lead us into our the first match. But before we get to the first match, I just want to ask you, like, leading up to to this to this big game brunch, like, what were your what were you looking forward to? Like, what were your expectations? How were you feeling about it? So, without a doubt, the thing I was most excited for was Sawyer Wreck and Billy Dixon. Um, I, you know, I, I love Billy to death. Sawyer's fucking fantastic and just dominates every single chance she gets the time to shine. And so getting the, the opportunity to see them really let loose in a hardcore scenario was going to be great. And, you know, being the consummate professionals that they are, they added plenty of entertainment to the violence. And so I was excited to see that coming in. Um, and then... I think the other big thing that was, you know, a lot of this card looked good on paper and I, you know, I expected great things out of it, but the excitement and the anticipation kind of got ramped up right at the end as we learned that Sunny Kiss was not being held on to by AEW. And so with Sunny's contract expiring, it felt like it made this big gay brunch moment even more important for Sunny because she's going to kill it with anyone who is smart enough to hire her. He's just so good 
and somehow keeps getting better, which doesn't seem fair. <laughs> I mean, as as good as Sunny is already, she has so much more in her. And, and it's amazing to, to know that, you know, there will be opportunities down down the line for her to continue showing that, you know, I, I yeah. imagine like based off of the indie run to that she had last year, like, you know, if you know, if AEW isn't in the cards for her going in the near future or anything like that, then I think cool. she's primed for another run like that. Yeah. No, she'll she'll kill it. For sure. Um, for sure. But yeah, we uh we got this show started with a fun fun triple threat. Yes, so originally supposed to be a tag team match with Ashton Starr and Dylan McQueen teaming up against the debuting Alex Mays uh, out of uh, Quebec and Finesse out of Tennessee. Uh, but Dylan uh, wasn't able to to be there. Don't really don't know why, but Dylan wasn't there, so it got switched up into a triple threat. Uh, with Ashton holding court with the two newcomers here. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I I, think this match was, like, the first bit of, like, what I was really looking forward to with this show because, like, I love seeing how many different performers are able to come on to a Big Gay Brunch card, right? Like, I love seeing, like, the people that, that I've covered and that I've, you know, watched and and, you know, put on the, the people that have made the QWI 200 that, you know, a lot that some people might not know of get that stage. And Alex Mays and Finesse are two of those people, you know, Finesse, like still very young in, in his wrestling career. Mays too. I mean, they're both like, I think less than three years in both of them. Um, yeah, but, much, but much younger talents compared to Ashton star. Um, I was a little sad cause I love Dylan. So I hope Dylan's doing great. And <laughs> We can see him again soon, but uh, this turned into something really fun because, as you said, Ashton holding court, uh, the veteran wrangling the youngsters, basically, and it turned into a great match. They all, you know, a Alex and Finesse being newer, they both got chances to shine, and this was kind of the start of something that we saw throughout the whole card, and I think at this point we see pretty much every big gay brunch, which is something that we know and we are not surprised by or new to but some fans may not realize is that there's there's actually a, a gazillion ways to be a gay wrestler there's there's not one stereotype there's not one way to play the character there's not one way to incorporate that or choose not to incorporate that into your character you know queer wrestling is everything it can be and everyone on this card was bringing something unique. Exactly. And, and this match really represented that a, a lot in a way, because you had, you know, Alex Mays known for his like acrobatics stuff, like former gymnast, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, hitting those like moonsaults to the outside and, and yeah, uh, which were know, so pretty. They very pretty, beautiful form on them. I, it, I did note it's, I don't know. I'm not going to like, throw out if like as if i knew what was going on there but it did seem like early on there might have been some nerves with both maze and finesse but they definitely settled into this thing and i think being yeah, in the ring once, with a veteran presence like ashton really helped with that as it got rolling um they all settled in but at the same time you know even if that was the case 
that makes sense. I would be nervous if I was a youngster facing Ashton too. Exactly. Exactly. And I, you know, and... it, it, it would, <laughs> and they were expecting to be teaming together and were having to adjust their strategies as well. So, yeah, it, that was, it's, it's always the thing, whenever a card, whenever the card subject to change, a disclaimer comes into play, right? Like it's not just the fans that are like thrown for a loop a bit. It's also the wrestlers having to like, you know, reconvene and figure out what, you know, work out a match there. But like this, this played out really well. I feel like uh, both Maze and Finesse got to show off what they can do. Obviously, if you want to see more of them, I know Maze is a regular at IWS up in Montreal. Uh, Finesse down at TWE in Chattanooga, part of that whole Southeast first a congregation of promotions that have been doing great stuff over the last few years. Um, and of course, Ashton does what he always does. Uh, like just steals the moment in, in his, in his just match. Absolute uh, star at every yes. possible opportunity. <laughs> it's so good. And it, it, it's perfect that he would win with the, the, the uh, Natalia special. The, yeah, the, the double sharpshooter. Sharp shooter. Um, and <laughs> great form on it. Uh, great show of power to get it locked in and turn them both over for that. Um, and, you know, a great way to, I think, close this match out because Alex and Finesse are, you know, clearly the underdogs, clearly the young rising stars. They absolutely had a great opportunity in getting to share the ring with Ashton for this match. And there's no shame in losing to someone as great as Ashton. True. So, and and it led to a really wonderful moment post-match as well, you know, because oh, yeah. like Ash, Ashton won, but he like, you know, told the two of them to like get up and celebrated them, held their arms mm-hmm. high and left the ring and let them have their moment there for yeah. the first time at a big gay brunch show, um, which was really awesome to see. And it goes back to, you know, Ashton's, attitude with wrestling you know obviously like we've seen a lot of the ashton star for world champion stuff that has been going around right now that that he's been putting out there and i fully support that ashton is far over deserving of something like that as great a choice as you can find for world champion yeah but he also has like that that selflessness uh of to be there for the the people that are on that beginning of that journey and to give them those moments yeah. and like, let them realize like what they, what they have accomplished in that way. And you could see like, you know, there was, there was some emotion on Alex and, and Vanessa's face in that moment. And it was, and, I was just very happy and, to see them get that moment. Yeah. Very understandable for that to be an overwhelming moment for them. Um, but a great spotlight for sure. Very much so. No. Um, well, from an awesome opener to the match that as soon as it was announced, <laughs> I was, was like potential show stealer. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Fuck did it not disappoint. Like uh, I I love every match on this card for very different reasons. This is the best pure wrestling match on this show. They yes. absolutely killed it. And you know, Devon Devon Monroe is should be champion everywhere literally everywhere because every single thing looks so crisp and so clean and so violent while also looking chaotic and safe it's just so good and so it 
I expected greatness out of this one, and they really got the time to let it cook. Yes, they they very much did. Of course, Devon Monroe taking on Rico Gonzalez. Um, yes, the 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 uh, golded up Rico Gonzalez at this point. Both of these both of these men golded up. Of course, you know Devon yeah. Devon enters this match as the first wrestling Russell champion. Rico, of course. Holding the WWA four title as well as the Midwest uh Midwest Territory.com championship chain that he won at the the latest Naptown show. Um, like just and and both of them really showed what what they could do in this match and worked so well together. They meshed so well, both in terms of like the technical aspects of what they do, but also in terms of like the character work, you know, like Rico doing his like role into the into like laying on his stomach in front of Devon and like, you know, giving him the little rascal thing. Um, yeah. That yeah, him and were, AC do. <laughs> there, there were a lot of fun moments and the, the psychology was really great between both of them. Is they're able to kind of shift the momentum and shift the tide and uh, the pace as it fit the match. And it really, it really made it something special that kind of time went by quickly, even though this was, I think with the exception of the massive tag match later, the longest match on the card. And it, it didn't feel long. It felt perfect. Exactly. It had, it had a really good build to it, you know, starting off with the character work and then, you know, getting into testing each other and then, mm-hmm. you know, showing each other like the one upsmanship in that. And then just the flurry of like, fuck you moves at that point just trying yeah. to like brutalize yeah, each other and keep everybody certain, down you had a certain uh, point where it's like all right well what do i gotta hit to end this let's try something else <laughs> um and and the answer is always the same it's taste the rainbow it's always taste the rainbow which this it's, is one of the sickest the most, taste the rainbows the, i've the, seen the, one of the most sickening moves in wrestling and this <laughs> one looked so good Rico yes. took it like he got shot out of a cannon at an angle into the mat. <laughs> yes, and like it, it, it felt like a, the a really good crescendo to that moment too, because yeah. like you, know, that was like the buildup you know, was we, great. The reversals, kind of in the counters, leading up into it, mm-hmm. really the near falls. The yeah, yeah. Like I think like the perfect counterpoint to that from a Rico offensive standpoint was that diving foot stomp to the apron. Yeah, which um, looked great. Yeah, which all it always looks good. And of course the homage to, to AC Mac as well with the mm-hmm. around the world. Um is always is always gonna be a good thing that I welcome here um on this show. So <laughs> but yeah, like both of both of these guys are just I mean, they're both supremely talented. We we know they are, right? And I'm Absolutely. I'm happy to see Rico, you know, getting booked out outside of the southeast now and starting to really like Mm-hmm. Be on more people's radars and, and that sort Getting of thing. opportunity to branch out. Exactly, and and Devon, you know, I know Devon has been working in in Winnipeg a bit now, uh, in outside of Minnesota. Um, but, but it, I feel like Devon is somebody who who definitely should be in more in more places at this oh, point. Yeah. Like Devon, um, he's a I, staple of the Big A branch. I've already talked about you know how fantastic Sunny Kiss is, and we'll talk about that more later. But I mean. 100% seriousness. You could book Sunny Kiss versus Devon Monroe in a best of seven series on national television in the main event every single week. It would probably gain 100,000 viewers a week because everyone would realize, oh, fuck, they're good. 
Yes. I mean, just based off of the one match that they had already at first wrestling last year, like that match, if you haven't seen that match, that match is fucking stupendous. Oh, I have, and I would recommend everyone else make a point to find it because it's so good. Definitely. It it is so, I think it's up on, on high spots, if I'm not mistaken, but, but yes, seek it out. It's so good. And you're right. Like just watching that match, I would watch, I would watch that match seven times over for sure. Oh yeah, and, and I know so many yeah. other people and would. be and be enthralled every time. Yeah, God, I don't know. It's just I I knew these two were going to work really well together with how their styles yeah. matched. And yeah, like, Devon it, and Rico, it, it it was it was absolutely one of those looks great on paper, and it delivered in every way. Yeah, and, I and and a big win for Devon still. Oh, very much so. You know, Devon beating beating Rico, continuing to solidify his place on the Big Eight branch. I think commentary mentioned, like you know, Devon and Ashton. They've been on every one of these, and yeah. and there's reasons why they've been on every one of these. It's because they're fucking good. <laughs> this is just you can count on them every time to deliver, no matter who they're up against. Exactly. Also, might have been a little bit of a revenge in there because you know Devon and AC Mac wrestled uh, on a big gay brunch on a previous big gay brunch too so you know it it never hurts i know that you know rico is is his own wrestler very much so right but like you know but the association is there it's always fun to look at the little the little uh sub ties in a way (laughs) to these things so but no outstanding match like definitely um god yeah i don't even know if i've really settled on my match of the night yet and it's been almost a week since the show happened yeah it's well this is in conversation for sure it's so difficult to pick like on a regular wrestling show it's sometimes easier to pick a match tonight because some stuff you know is the clear front runner part of the reason it's difficult to pick a match of the night for an effie's big gay brunch this one in particular but a lot of them really is not just because a lot of the matches are good they're all good in completely different ways they all do completely different stories and excel for different reasons. And so the best matches buy the show and watch the whole thing because you're going to get something out of every single one of them. And it's going to be different than what you got out of the other matches. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. <laughs> I, yes. Cause like that, it is at the end of the day, the big gay brunch is you know the epitome of the variety show. Yeah. And like, that's, one of the things that I love about it, because like every looking, just looking up and down this card, like every single one of these matches is is different, and yeah, yeah it's is telling so a different story, is giving you different styles, is giving you those different scenarios and motivations for everything. It's you know, it's the actual variety card and kind of variety of booking that you can get if you just do good wrestling. Speaking of good wrestling. Let's talk about our surprise twink gauntlet. Oh yeah. So, uh, <laughs> or better yet, Pero, let's talk about Pero's promo first. Yeah, we'll we'll start with Pero was I believe um, scheduled to face Karim. Uh, is that correct? Yes, he was scheduled to face Karim on this show. Karim, uh, fortunately, was not able to appear as well. Um, so uh, Pero was left without an opponent. Hope hope Karim is doing well, but uh, Pero needed something to do. Because Pero is very important to the big gay brunch. Because before Pero, there was no fucking gay people. According to Pero. 
I mean, I, I'm not going to challenge his facts personally. <laughs> I, will challenge, I will challenge his facts from 3,000 miles away. Yeah. <laughs> Very carefully at a distance with a mask location. Yes, exactly. Pero does not know my address. I am safe. Yeah, we're, we're good. We're good. Just <laughs> just real careful. Um, yeah, so Pero as this kind of I'm everything, I'm the only gay wrestler that exists, asshole heel, just keeps getting better. Like, he's he's been good at this before, and this is not the first time he's done this kind of shtick, and he settles into it more, his promos are settling in even more, and so, you know, he's always amazing in the ring and always terrifying and fantastic, but his timing on everything just gets better every single time I see him. Yes, definitely does. And and I think uh, it's been really awesome to see over the last few years, like see more of the character of Pero start to come out, both on the Big Gay Brunch shows, as well as, you know, his working with GCW um, alongside yeah. Charles Mason and in other places as well. You know, like I, I always go back to that uh, Last Daddy Standing match that he had with Effie at, at No Peace back in 2021. One of, my, one of my favorite matches of that year. One of my Same. favorite matches, period. Yeah, like that that really felt like a jumping off point for people to understand that like who a bit more about who Pero is, especially yeah, and, the and what promo Pero that he cut be. for that match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just I'm a homo and I will murder you. <laughs> like it's, it's what else so do you great. need to know about Pero? Yes, sir. I understand. I'm gonna go stand over there, far away from you. <laughs> <laughs> but since Karam couldn't make it. Um, we, we retreated to another Twink Gauntlet, yes. which I'm always happy to see come back. The Twink Gauntlets are always fun, and we had some interesting challengers. Yes, we did. Speaking of debuts, we had uh, two more debuts here with our first and second Twinks. Of course, the first Twink out was Don't Die Miles, um, former New Wave Pro heavyweight champion, one of the first non-binary or out non-binary heavyweight champions in pro wrestling um, making their big gay brunch debut here as twink number one and putting up a, a, a valiant effort against the yeah, brick wall. No. That was Pero. No, I love miles. They're fantastic. Um, but Pero was, Pero was large. He's, he's a very large man. Yes. And he was very angry coming into this and miles drawing the first straw was not exactly the best situation for them. No, and definitely not deciding to go with a chair either. No, no, but I respect the effort. You know, <laughs> I respect their audacity because it was they they really went for it until they died. Yes, um, and yes. and I mean it's it's don't die miles, so they will be back. But it's it is what it is. You know, someone's got to go down first, and it was not going to be Paro. No, no, it definitely was not. No, like it was it was cool to see Miles get get. This, this spot though just because you know how affirming that space is right especially yeah, with miles absolutely. being from Ch chicago originally and, and getting to do that and there. getting getting plenty of reaction getting plenty of moment there even in a short time frame yes maximizing the time that you have yes for sure which to that end as well our second twink count noctis the former adriel noctis um they're making his debut here at the big gay brunch as well. Um, really awesome to see him get this spot as well. I know that he's been, uh, I think, I don't know if he's 
already has, but I know he's in the process of moving out to Indianapolis to to mm-hmm. be work to work in that area. You know, obviously we've had him over on on my side of the country for yeah. a while now. Has been really great in Las Vegas, really great in the Pacific Northwest, especially out here in Portland, up and up in Washington. Um, and I'm just glad, I'm always happy to see him get to get the opportunities that he is and he brought it like he brought it here against para yeah, like it, it it really I, felt like a formidable I think, challenge i think this is my first or if if not my first my best look at count noctis the most i've seen of him and you know i'm always down for a vampire gimmick you, you you're never gonna get me unhappy for a vampire gimmick um and <laughs> it was not just that it was a fantastic showing and a great effort to eventually die. Yes, to eventually take that fire thunder driver on the outside and then get rolled yeah. back in and pinned. <laughs> welcome to the club. Yep. This is what. Hey, look, you're um, gonna be on the big yeah, brunch. I mean, you're gonna have to deal with Pero at some it's, point. It's what's gonna happen. Um, yeah. But yeah, still, still a great showing for him, and great to see him get that moment. And uh, you know, who knows? We we could see him again next year. I would not be shocked at all to see more of Count Noctis on the Big Gate Branch. Same goes for Miles as well. Like two yeah. like people who definitely have names in, in the Midwest and are continuing and, to build those. And continuing to rise. And yeah. so we could see them get, you know, more of a spotlight in coming big gay brunches. For sure. Um and another member of that sort of Midwest crew that are building their names, Ron Bass Jr. Yeah. Being tweet number twink. three. <laughs> the son of a son of a bitch. <laughs> um, yeah, it, Ron Bass Jr. is always fantastic to see. And this is, you know, uh, Twinks can be of any size, as always. And, you know, Ron Bass Jr. absolutely bringing the tweak energy to this. Um, and lasting, I think, the longest potentially among the group. Uh, however, it, it's still parallel. Exactly. He will, no matter how big you are. It, it it takes something really ridiculous, something really insane to topple Pero. And Ron Bass Jr. put up a great effort, put up a great fight, had some big moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Pero, Pero is Pero, and Pero obliterates Twinks. So he does. Twinks of all sizes. Pero, Pero does not discriminate on his Twink obliteration. <laughs> it was cool to see RBJ kind of bring that hardcore element into the match as well though and, and really feed yeah. into you know Pero's history obviously with hardcore and deathmatch mm-hmm. a bit too and, and have that those exchanges and but at the end of the day like Pero's gonna find a way to get you up and drop you like if he can drop Damo with that yeah. fires under driver it's... then he can drop RBJ with that fires under driver he can drop he... just about anybody. Yes. <laughs> so Obviously, RBJ unable to unseat Pero, but we have one more surprise twink challenger. That's that's right. It's uh, you know, one of the most hyped names expected on this show. A a legend of the entertainment industry. It's Baby Bob. Baby Bob. That's that's Whenever... B A okay. B silent P silent Z H O P for exactly. legal reasons. Whatever we can do to dodge any potential litigation. <laughs> so, though, if anyone's seen that Barney documentary on Peacock, I don't, I don't know that they would actually object to this. Uh, 
Maybe not. I don't know. Either way, either way, I I don't even fuck it. We have baby. Okay, look. Before we talk about baby Bob in the ring, I have to ask you. Whenever Effie announced that baby Bob was going to be on this show, did you? What was your reaction? Where did you think baby Bob was going to I, show up? <laughs> like I I I had no clue what it was going to look like. I assumed someone was going to be in a baby Bob costume. Yes. I I didn't know when that was going to happen. I thought it was going to be like some ridiculous random appearance, which is kind of what we got. Um, but it was one of those once announced, I went, okay, he's, he's not going to hype this and not do something like card subject to change. But if you do this silliness, something's going to happen. Um, and I don't know exactly what I expected. It wasn't this, but I was happy to get it (laughs) because, you know, one of the most powerful twinks in entertainment history, baby Bob. There you go. And she came in and she showed her power as well. Ultimately toppling Pero, weathering the storm and toppling Pero with a spear through a door um, only to be revealed as one Jimmy Lloyd. Um, Yeah, a real real shame. No uh, real dinosaurs here. I guess the only one pretends to be uh, not the champion on Wednesdays. Uh, (laughs) But but yeah, it turned out to be Jimmy Lloyd who won the battle, if not the war. Yes, yes, one definitely won the battle for sure. I also loved like the callback to the original Twink Gauntlet because Jimmy Lloyd was in the original Twink Gauntlet yes. back in 2020. Uh, no, the, the original Twink Gauntlet on the Big Gay Brunch, not the very first one, because obviously the very first one happened in Time Bomb Pro. Right. But, yeah. but you know, Jimmy the Lloyd first... was in that, that first Big Gay Brunch Twink Gauntlet. And. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it was, it was, it was a fun little interlude to end that thing before Paro. You know, obviously. Uh, well, did I mean, Pero clearly, clearly, Paro was very, very caught off guard by the presence of Baby Bob, and the sudden challenge of having to wrestle someone in that you know, probably not super athletically forgiving costume. Oh God! Um, yes, it, it looked it looked great. I can't imagine what that feels like to move in. No, especially at, at considering how hot that building was. A, exactly. Like, you oh. take the helmet off. Jimmy Lloyd's probably already dead from heat exhaustion. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it was a great little interlude. And then uh, the reveal and, you know, Pero gets, Pero gets his licks in regardless. Exactly. Pero always does. No matter, yeah. no matter what happens, Pero always does. That's just what Pero is. That's just his mo. Death, death, death taxes, and peril kicks your ass. Yep, yep. And now we eagerly await who will be the next person to try and step into the ring against Peril. <laughs> who knows? Could be Barney. We'll see. I mean, hey, you know what? At this point, any anything could happen. Exactly. Ah, <laughs> oh, well. From that, we head into another uh, fun match. Uh, that it was honestly really cool to see once you know things got shifted around and we and we got the match that we did. Of course, Lufisto making her big gay brunch debut against Kid Bandit and Dark Sheik in a triple threat match. Um, you know, I, th- I believe previously this was supposed to be uh, God, I cannot remember. I know Steph Delander was supposed to wrestle one of these three. 
but unfortunately, you know, Steph had to pull off of the show, uh, which she pulled off of multiple shows. Um, and so we ended up getting the three of them pushed together into another triple threat match that was camp uh, and goofiness and yeah. just glory. A, just a very, a very different triple threat than the one we had to open the show, but in a great way because this one absolutely had a lot of its own chaos and fun. Um, great entrances all around. Uh, always great to see. Um, but always great to see Dark Sheik. But this wasn't just Dark Sheik. This was the golden slut Dark Sheik. Yes. Just just so fantastic in that Marlena callback. Mm-hmm. With the heels. <laughs> I I will always be impressed whenever I see Dark Sheik wrestling in heels. This is one thing I last, you know, uh, last week we like my brain doesn't even want to process it. Exactly. I just skip over it. Like, no, that doesn't work, but whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know. She's it. magic. Don't ask, don't ask questions. Don't, I will don't, mention don't it heavily hard. on this show because yeah. last week when we covered Big Gay Brunch UK, I forgot to mention, even though I made a mental note of it, to to throw out there that Sheik wrestled the Rainbow Rumble match in heels too. So, like... Yeah, and then going, you know up, what? Yeah. Well, I could... I could do that. I could take on, you know, one of the most legendary names in women's wrestling over the last 20 years and also one of the hottest rising stars in indie wrestling right now. It'll be fine. Exactly. But Which and and it was. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking to to your point about the entrances too, it was really cool to see Lufisto coming out in the the Judas Priest um whole yeah. get up. And everything like that. Very leather daddy, very, very giving of, of that. Um, all the way down to, you know, the the turbo lover Lufisto Halford, uh, for, the, for this one match. Yeah. Lufisto did not hold back on matching the energy and the vibe of Gay Brunch at all. Not at all. Which honestly, that was my expectation was that she was yeah. going to meet the moment. And yeah. by God, did she and absolutely she did. Yes. Um so yeah, this is a very fun match, kind of different. So we talked about with the opening three-way, it was kind of Ashton as the lone leader, whereas in this one, Kid Bandit is kind of the lone up-and-comer because Dark Sheik and Lufisto, multi-year legends in their own right, you know, huge fixtures of their own scenes over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, and Kid Bandit rising faster and faster and faster because everyone... Everyone wants more Kid Bandit. Yeah, she's amazing. Exactly, and and the personality clashes here worked really well too between Bandit, oh, you yeah. know, being the the goofy little nuisance that that she can be in matches. Like you know, basically, <laughs> I, I love the moment with her like, basically circling Dark Sheep. Bandit, <laughs> Bandit is pure bratty bottom energy. And 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 will kick your fucking head off in the middle of it. Exactly. No, but it played so obviously her and Sheik play so well anytime they're in the ring together. Yeah. It's it's always a lot good. of chemistry there. Yeah. Um, then then Lufisto the Lufisto like bringing her own energy to this as well. And also meeting the energy of the moment there. Cause I feel like a mm -hmm. lot of the times when people think about Lufisto, they think about, you know, the brutalizer, they think about the right. burning hammer. They think about, you know, just this 
very intense, hard hitting woman who yeah. has really blazed was one of the original trailblazers for what we now have in terms of like, you know, breaking down gender barriers and in, in wrestling. Um, but this match, there was a solid like two to three minute period where she was just circling the ring while getting spanked by Dark Sheik's studded belt. And I mean, um, <laughs> I would too. <laughs> it's, but yeah, you know, as you said, Lufisto not, you know, stuck on trying to be something that she's been in previous matches or anything like that, you know, really leaning into the chaos of what this show is and what Dark Sheik and Kid Bandit are bringing to this match. And it really made it extra fun um definitely and so you know great to see blue fisto get a spotlight like the spotlight like this after some nonsense and attacks and drama that i'm sure she is still hopefully getting past just yeah. because the the way people come at anyone who calls out problems um but especially when a woman calls out problems it's unfortunately going to happen uh so fantastic to see her really get her moment to shine here and have fun and yeah. show how great she is no for, for sure like the, the 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 mixture of these three worked really well i also will commend dark chic on not just the marlena shout out with the with the with the you know the the smoke and the the dress the, and everything the blunt yes. cigar and the heels and the dress. Exactly. But also the gold dust shout outs there too. Yeah. It, was, it was a beautiful mixture of, of both of those entities into there. Seeing Dark well, Sheik hit a curtain and, call. Yeah, it, it was fantastic <laughs> to see. And it's also, as someone who is within the last year or so rewatched some of that gold dust era, it's, it's like, it's almost healing to see it get its place it has today and see the positives of it appreciated because some of those matches from that era are hard to watch and it has yeah. everything to do with commentary because if you have a queer coded character on television with Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler on commentary nothing they say is going to be good or helpful um, and then if you put them in front of a rowdy misogynistic homophobic 1996 crowd you're gonna get a lot of slurs like loud chants in, in matches i've watched of that era despite the fact that goldust was you know doing the best he could to the character and like razor ramon scott hall did such great character work at times with goldust trying to really make something out of a very problematically written storyline Mm -hmm. And he treated it with the serious it needed to have. And so, you know, to think of where it's been, where, you know, where we are wrestling, you know, that was all the mainstream had in 1996, all television, you know, wrestling had in 1996, as far as quote unquote representation to where we are today, that we've got, you know, a card top to bottom and hundreds others who weren't able to make you know, this specific show, but across the industry who are bringing queer energy as queer wrestlers and being able to have those nods and those shout outs now to those moments that may have inspired them even in their flawed era. Yeah, I mean, there, there are always two things that I point to 
in terms of like what the queer wrestling um movement of recent years has really been able to do with you know pro wrestling is that one obviously by evidence of this show and countless others like we carve out our own spots where they aren't given to us like we force mm-hmm. them to manifest right second thing is always reclamation of the things that formed us mm-hmm. even if they were problematic and celebrating them for what they were and what they meant to us not necessarily their, what they meant in the taking moment. their power and using them for what they are exactly and th- i think that was like the biggest thing for me is seeing dark sheet hitting a curtain call in that match yeah. was the, like it's it's just one move but as someone who literally like i pointed to gold does multiple times on this show as some like that was my entry point to pro wrestling it was also my entry yeah. point to like what's what is me um <laughs> and right. so like i i'm i'm right there with with all of this and like it yeah. was a very very it's it's uh, been it's been similar for me watching billy gunn mm-hmm. in his aew run because um i very first started watching wrestling in about 2000 and so i caught a different era of gold dust first i've gone back and seen some of the earlier stuff since then but like my most memorable early gold dust memories are like the booker t tag team of 2002 yeah um whereas that era also had billy and chuck which was a whole other pack of worms um <laughs> and, and so you know getting to see billy be part of a queer positive tag team with a queer wrestler in it and and get you know really get things over for them um and really you know, show that he is not the person who was doing that character in 2003 is great to see. No, I can definitely understand that. And it's a very solid point too. Like it's been really cool to see that for, for me as well. But yeah, so back to this trio of two legends and future legend um, at the rate that Kid Bandit is going. uh, This was a really fun match. Um, had a little bit of a referee hiccup with the finish. Um, yeah, but it, it you know it happens. Exactly. It didn't. And it didn't take away from the match for me. No, no. I think it. If anything, it made the ending a little more stunning. Just because you know that that's how these matches can go. Is they can end on a dime, and Kid put up a great fight, but Lufisto is Lufisto, and she was able <laughs> to secure the win. Yes, wonderful moment there. Um, before we move off of this match, one more thing that I, I really wanted to like talk about a bit was like something that was brought up on commentary. And obviously, you know, we've seen Bandit kind of tweeting about this a bit, but you know, Bandit's gonna be taking a break from the ring coming up um mm-hmm. because they're getting gender affirming surgery. Yeah. And, you know, hearing Val and, and Beta kind of bring that up and talk about that in the moment while the, all of the outside of the ring chaos was going on. Um, during this match was I think that's that is another super vital aspect of what the big gay brunch and the wider you know uh, growth of you know LGBTQ focused shows and the the growth of the presence of queer identities in pro wrestling really points to because what other show with this level of promotion with this level of eyeballs on it is going to be talking about the importance of gender affirming care for people, yeah. gender affirming healthcare and, for people. Yeah, it, it's it, the power of having 
all of this talent together, but also having people like Val Capone and Veda Scott on the call who, you know, can talk knowledgeably and comfortably in a safe way about things like this, that, you know, for some of us who are watching, that's affirmation, getting to hear it talked about in a public way, that, you know, it's a thing that needs to be talked about more often. But at the same time, you know, for fans who maybe have only heard of Sunny Kiss and Effie and Alley Catch or, you know, only tuned in because they've, you know, heard of Kid Bandit or they knew about Lufisto or, or, you know, anyone that brought them to this show, they may not have thought about something like that. And this is, you know, a safe environment where it can get brought up as part of the conversation and talk about both the importance of gender affirming healthcare and the reality of kids probably going to have to, you know, adjust and it's going to take time to adapt. And I hope that goes as well as it possibly can for her because she could absolutely kill it once everything is, you know, healed up as best she can be. Yeah. And there's plenty of evidence that, you know, shows that, you know, people that have gone through like the gender affirming surgery and have come out of pro wrestling, like, you know, just look at what Jamie Senegal has been doing since coming back, you know, yeah. late last year. Right. Or like, I, I haven't paid, I feel bad saying this because I haven't paid as much attention to the Australia scene in, in recent months, but, you know, I know Casey Johns last, last year went in for gender affirming mm-hmm. surgery too. And I don't know if, if he is back in the ring yet or not, but you know, like, this is the thing is like people can provide the affirmation that they need and seek that out and get that done and still be able to continue in like following their, their dreams in the ring. Yeah. And that is a beautiful thing to to now have as a normalized, at least more normalized thing. It's nice that it just feels like another thing that, okay, well, yeah, that's a, it's an understandable healthcare procedure that you would want to get for yourself. And like any healthcare procedure, it's going to mean you're going to have to cut down on physical activity for a little bit. And then when you're ready, you'll come back and kick some ass. Exactly. And and that's the way it should be treated. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I love like, obviously like the powerful nature of the statement and like, you know, the words that Val and Beta were using to describe it, you know, and highlighting the importance of it are great, but just the fact that we can just talk about that as just like a normal thing now mm-hmm. you know granted like obviously the wider cultural climate right now is very well, very frustrating if we, could, if if we tried to talk about the cultural climate of america and the state of healthcare in this country we'd be here for the next 12 to 18 months yo so. would we jesus <laughs> fucking christ um yeah but no th- this match was a whole lot of fun and all three delivered and i don't know i, I just i I really enjoyed it for all the moments that it gave us yeah. both into the wrestling context as well as the, the wider context there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show. And say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous uh 
patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Every single dollar that is uh, pledged there to support the show is very, very humbling. And we thank you. We also have a, a merch store over on Brainbuster Tees. Go to brainbustertees.com and search LGBT in the ring. Uh, you got t-shirts, tank tops, all kinds of good stuff. And, you know, always looking at some new things as well. But uh, definitely check us out on Brainbuster Tees there as well. You can follow the show on social media as well. We're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBTRingPod or visit uh, the URL, tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the, the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. Speaking of a wider context, though, uh, how have you felt about these these regional eight person tag team battles that we've been getting? Or I guess so it was more I, than that in LA, but still. Yeah, so I really like this style. Um, uh, I think, you know, from a pure logistical standpoint, this is a way to get a lot of big names on the card. A lot of names that, you know, whether they're big or rising, they may not fit perfectly in a straight up singles match. There may not be room for them somewhere else, but they can be part of this kind of chaotic larger tag match that can tell several stories at once. I think the regional idea is great because it's a very quick way to find common ground for very different performers. You know, location-based kind of hometown kind of thing is something everybody understands and can relate to, um, no matter where you're from. And so... Uh, 
I'm, I'm all for it. I hope they continue to do versions of this as it works. Um, coming into this, I think I was most excited to see because I've seen them probably the most before now. Um, Matteo Valentine, Logan mm. Black, and Saz and Sazzy Boatwright, all fucking fantastic, and I love every chance I get to see more of them. Um, some you know other names that I was not as familiar with, but that's kind of what I love about these matches and a big gay brunch is that I try to keep up with as much as I can, but there's going to be someone on the card that I've never seen before. And they get a chance to shine around yes. a lot of other capable and chaotic and fun performers <laughs> on a show where literally anything goes. <laughs> yep. And to that end, like this match had a lot of that, obviously like this, of course, East coast versus the Midwest let's just break it down like the and, and divide those fractions even more here it's really new york versus chicago here yeah brooklyn yeah, versus getting, chicago we're getting specific enough um <laughs> yes but in spirit to midwest versus east coast yes in spirit but uh of course uh representing the midwest we had Matteo valentine and joey mayberry returning to the big gay brunt stage as well as moondog murray you know, returning after making uh, his mm-hmm. debut at last year's Big Gay Brunch. And, of course, the debut of Shelly Benson. Um, Bomb Shelly, as she is known in the Chicagoland area. Um, yeah. All four great talents for the multiple promotions around Chicago. I think I think most people will know them best from uh, CSW. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on IWTV. Um, they're, they're taking on the East Coast team that is 100% debuting talent here yeah. on the show, which is wonderful to see. Angelo Carter, the Money Dragon, uh, Quezzi Asante, Logan Black, and Sazzy Boatwright. Um, it's, yes. It's about, about as chaotic as a quartet as you're going to find. Fuck. It, I, I love this mixture of, of talent for this team, too, because like they are all from T2T in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. There and it speaks to the diversity at T2T and just how many different directions they take the off the wall nature of pro wrestling. Yeah. I mean, you have like Saz, we know Sazzy, the, the one true motherfucker of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Logan is just, you know, Logan is Logan <laughs> at yeah. this point. Um, that's, that's, that's all we need. Exactly. Just, it works. It he's works just anti-fascist, time. and he's going to beat the shit out of you. you um, get out of my way. Kabam. <laughs> yes. Quezzy Asante is someone who I haven't seen as much of, Um, but it was really cool to see him on the stage, and I, it truly impressed Um, once I got to see more of him during this match. And, of course, Angelo Carter, Um, who very, very talented in the ring, but also um, I don't know if you watch uh, his – um his like real housewife send up that he does on Twitter, uh, the videos that he does around T2T with the T2T talent and everything like that. But it is uh, very, very entertaining to, to say the least. Does, does sound like a blast. <laughs> yes. So all different, all different facets of culture and the pro wrestling world coming together on this T2T team um, to take on a unified front from Chicago and, um, yeah, of course, like any multi-person tag, this this thing has a lot of really good exchanges early on, a lot of, of, of everybody showing a bit of what they can do until it ultimately breaks down and we have like multitude of dives 
um angelo hitting that uh uh uhara moonsault from the mm -hmm. from the top rope to the outside on everyone um i love the moment in the ring where sazzy and shelly have uh their <laughs> their opponents like bit over and they're they were, just basically they're... playing chicken they were the tops, so in the yes. ring. So and and they were and they were fulfilling their duties. That's that's all that was happening. Exactly. Exactly. It was it was a beautiful moment there. Also very funny. Um when this is this is one of those things that like would be funny and silly on a regular wrestling show, but it feels so much more fun on queer positive shows. Mm -hmm. and and safe shows where you know any sort of sexually suggestive spot gets a reaction out of any indie crowd but any indie crowd is not necessarily going to have the reaction you want um when you have an environment like this where the vibes are good and everyone is having fun and no one's going to be weird about it you can do really chaotic and goofy stuff like this and it gets you know a huge reaction and everybody's enjoying it and kind of can lean into the chaos of it um, and it was fantastic. It's, it's everybody's having a blast. Yeah, and I think leaning into the chaos really speaks to what what this match was in in a way. Oh yeah. Some some like more like subtextual points to this that really made me happy to see once whenever the match was originally announced and then to finally see it in the ring. Um, one, Logan Black. I am. I'm obviously happy for anybody that debuted on this show and is able to to have space to perform on a big gay brunch event like this for logan black it felt a little a little extra special personally just because you know whenever he was on on the podcast um you know we talked about a lot of his feelings around his hesitance to come out uh really centered on this idea of not feeling queer enough right um yeah which i i think is something that you know a lot of queer people can relate to Oh, 100%. Uh, yes. It's something that I don't think I don't think a lot of cishet people fully understand. And I, I get why it might seem confusing to them, but there's, you know, I honestly, I would compare it to imposter syndrome in like work. You know, it's, it's a completely different scenario, but like I feel the same I'm not good enough about my writing as I do about whether I'm queer enough or can have a place in the queer community. And that's just your brain being a bitch. That's 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 all lies. Um, yeah. There's there's no wrong way to be queer, and you know it's it's always great when someone can jump over that hurdle and finally feel like they have a home. Yeah, and and I think that was what made seeing him debut on on this show extra special for me personally, just to know like, and also to commiserate with like that struggle, like like you said, like you know, I think both you and I. Have had those struggles personally as well you know yeah. and 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 it's it's especially whenever you're like just coming out and just starting to kind of learn a bit more about like queer culture and well you know, and oftentimes yourself yeah have, you know learning in the moment as you're understanding different aspects of yourself and trying to process those and identify what feels right and it's about finding where those two things meet and where you where your place is in that, where you feel comfortable in that, right? Mm -hmm. Versus like things that the culture or people like in the community will might 
put on you in terms of like expectations and, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, versus the stereotypes and expectations that are presented to you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think all of that just made that moment a little bit emotional for me personally. And then of course, finally getting to see Logan and Mateo share a ring together because I know that oh, is a yeah. match that Mateo has been clamoring for for years at this point now. He has wanted and, Logan Black in the ring, and finally it was able to happen. Finally, we got a taste. Yes. Now we just need to book the singles at some point. Yeah, now we just need the full meal. <laughs> no, this, was, this one was a whole lot of fun. Ultimately, Chicago does reign supreme here. Well, um, I mean, when you're in Hoffman. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, like it was just a whole a whole lot of fun. I love this unit of of Mateo and Joey and, and Moondog and, and Shelly. Um, they work really well together. I also love the entrance, by the way. I can't l- let move off of this match without talking about the, the wonderful entrance that Team uh, Midwest had. Um, I can't remember the name of the musical artist, and I apologize. I am still recovering from surgery. <laughs> um, so like I I sometimes my brain just goes to mush at times um but um, but just a wonderful I, wonderful entrance yeah i can't remember the name either but you know find some time to watch this show make sure to watch this match watch all the entrances too because the energy everybody was bringing absolutely set the tone yes that we we knew this was going to be chaotic and fun because of the tone and the vibe and the pace that was set you know before the belly even rang Mm-hmm. I will also give a quick shout out to Sazzy just walking around the ring during the, the pre-match and just asking uh, where are all the moms? <laughs> okay. well, of course. <laughs> it's only fitting. Yeah, as as is as is expected. <laughs> yes. Well, that is going to take us to the match that you mentioned earlier in this show. Uh Billy Dixon versus Sawyer Wreck, although a bit different um, than originally what we were expecting. I did not know that this was going to be a uh, first date match, so to yeah. speak. So um, um, coming coming in, I I was excited about the hardcore aspect. You know, I'm I love deathmatch. I love hardcore matches. I'm always, you know, bring bring more objects in. It makes everything better. I don't care what it is. Just chaotic. Pick pick something. You know, maybe someone bleeds. It's all in good fun. And so I already expected something great out of that. And as I should expect, um, Billy Dixon doesn't come to the party without a good story to tell. And that was absolutely the case here with this kind of first state format by Curious Bill <laughs> way of doing things. Um, it, it the allusions great. to straight Bill. Right. It was great to see heel Bill without straight Bill. Yes. <laughs> Even though I love straight Bill, I love Billy for everything that that was. Like straight Bill's a menace. All right. <laughs> I, I, life gets in the way and I never got around to it, but there was a period where I really wanted to write the saga of straight Bill because <laughs> it was, it was just such an absurd period in the best way. And Billy leaned into it exactly as he always does and so this was you know some callbacks and some certain allusion to that but in a very different scenario and it was it was a lot of fun this was a 
violent, very fun match. Um, which you know, eventually someone's gonna bleed. Oh, of course. I mean, it's it's Billy Dixon and Sawyer Wreck. Someone's yeah. going to fucking bleed. Even if it wasn't hardcore on paper, it was bound to happen. It's a GCW yeah. ring still. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, as soon as they said, oh, this is no DQ pinfalls count anywhere, I'm like, oh, of course it is. I was wondering whether they were going right. to add that onto so, it. <laughs> so how many doors do you need? <laughs> <laughs> no, this match, I think, delivered on those expectations and then some, obviously. they And they took yeah. advantage of the pinfalls count anywhere stipulation to do... Yeah. All kinds of fun stuff. Fighting in the the bench the bench area of the soccer field that they were on, and, going and into the bar. Billy up against the glass. Oh my god! Yes, like such that a is, great shot. Why is that screenshot not circulated on Twitter at this moment? <laughs> like I yeah. feel like that image is like how we all collectively feel at any some, given moment of the day. <laughs> one of several matches on this card I clipped to make highlights of, and life has not allowed me to get to it yet, but I hope to, um, because so many fun moments in this. Um, and yeah, they really utilized the arena, uh, as best they could. Um, they had a drink on their date as is expected, you know, of course, just, just, you know, trying to make those first impressions, get some icebreakers, violent ones. <laughs> I mean, whenever hey. you have two people of the temperament and personality of, it's true. I mean, Billy even, even outside of a wrestling ring, a first, a first date between Sawyer Wreck and Billy Dixon is not going to be not violent <laughs> exactly it's going to be intense it's just, it's just who they are <laughs> they don't do anything half-assed all the way down to billy dixon getting kicked into the soccer goal and everyone celebrating as if sawyer wreck had just scored yeah. the final penalty penalty in a world cup final <laughs> and the, the the crowd reaction and then i believe an Olay chant to follow it because of yes course, we also got the goal call on commentary too. I can't remember if it was Veda or Val that said it, but it was, I, it was I can't remember who it was thing. either. But we got the goal because that's yes. what, that's what you need in the moment. <laughs> oh God, it was all, it was a whole lot of forty eight syllables of it. Yes, yes, as many A's as you can get into it. Yes, as many vowels as you can get into it. Fucking work it. Um, but yeah, like you they, can even I add love... some vibrato if you want. There's a lot of options. <laughs> I love having the doors already set up on the outside of the ring and like, you know, the commentary talking about, oh, yeah, you sit down and have a conversation on a first date and that sort of thing. Of course, that's not going to happen. Of course, they're going to be going through that shit. Billy hitting I mean, a cactus elbow off the still, apron. It's still a wrestling match. Um, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is still the two of them at a GCW arena. Uh, and so it's, it's doors are meant to be broken. And Jesus, did they? Uh, of course. Like I said, Billy and that that elbow drop, uh, that was really nice. And then of course Sawyer just choke slamming and choke slamming and choke slamming Billy and Dixon. Then a, and then a kiss and then one more choke bomb through it yes. through a door. <laughs> By Curious um, Bill got his kiss. He did right before dying. Maybe, maybe found love <laughs> right before he died. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yes, Sawyer gets the pin off of off of that final choke slam, and I the post match here was a lot of fun um, because it I love how it ties into how Billy Dixon builds like these different like eras of himself, right? Um, yeah. Because 
who else is going to put out a press release saying that they're turning heel? Right? It's it's just how Billy operates because yeah. Bill, Billy understands that this is a show and this is entertainment and lean into it. And then Be in creative. the body in the body of the press release say that my new finisher is a leg drop. It's so good. <laughs> that Sawyer sold like she had broken her fucking neck. I well, saw as, like as expected because I'm not gonna half ass that either. No, no, not at all. Like it was just beautiful. Like Hillbilly is um or Hillbill rather is on like the rampage after this match is over, it hits that leg drop, and then like all of the referees come out to help Sawyer leave. Billy has flipped the crowd on him successfully at this point, too. Um, which, you know, as powerful as Billy is as a babyface, definitely shows that heel energy as well. Harkening back well, to some early Billy Dixon days. As as much as everyone loves to love Bill, uh, his command of the crowd, he always knows how to get them where they need to go. Exactly. And, of course, like, Sawyer is a great dancing partner for oh, him. Yeah. Especially considering, like, both, they're both, uh, both of their admirations for, for Deathmatch and stuff. I definitely could see another clash between them coming yeah, up this... down the line. This was in many ways the first date, hopefully, of this rivalry because they could do they could do a lot more down the road if they want to. Yes, yes. I mean, a good first date usually means a good second date. So we could hope. We'll cross fingers. We'll see if my curious Bill wants to wants to keep going down that path of exploration a little bit here or not. But commend both of them for, for what they did. A whole lot of fun here. And of course, with, with that match ending. The leg drop being dropped. That brings us to our main event that we mentioned at the top of the show. Effie and Alley Catch, Bussy, taking on the team of Pimpinella Escarlata and Sunny Fucking Kiss. Oh yeah. This this was exciting going in, and the excitement only ramped up in the, you know, weeks and days as it approached. No, it, it definitely did. And from the jump start, this I think met exactly what the expectations were for it, right? All the way from, you know, the reception that Sunny Kiss got in that building for, you know, what she has represented to this community, you know, through her AEW run, previous to her AEW run, um, and the kind of visibility that that she brought to, you know, gender queer people in the pro wrestling space is amazing. Plus, like we said before, supremely talented individual yeah, in the ring. Supremely talented and trailblazing representation because, you know, whether, regardless of the fact that AEW never knew what to do with her, she shined every chance she got and absolutely brought eyes to a very, you know, basically not just underrepresented, but never represented gender yeah. identity in in wrestling, television wrestling for forever. Yeah. I mean, the first gender fluid wrestler ever signed to a major promotion. Yeah. You know, like that's that's something that you can never take away from Sunny Kiss. No. At, ever at all. Uh, and then juxtapose that against just the chaos of Pimpinella, um, both yeah. in the entrance uh, and during the match. <laughs> Yes, and and even after the match, 
Um, yes. And, and, you know, Pimpinella Escalata, uh, you know, as I think you mentioned earlier, just legend almost doesn't feel like enough. Like, lucha royalty with all sincerity. Yeah. I mean, really, you know, I we I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of conversation around, you know, this a very similar topic back at the original Big Gay Brunch when Cassandro and Sonny Kiss main evented that show because, mm-hmm. you know, Cassandro and Pimpy, Are- they're, they're the two people that really, really blazed the, the trail the, at the beginning of that trail that well, we have seen the, pay the, off over the last 30 years. The, you know, ultimately, in many ways, the pioneers of, you know, playing with gender and wrestling and and really making names for themselves as exoticos uh and you know getting to see them get their flowers now in whole different ways in front of whole new crowds and around the next generation of queer talent um is always great to see and you just happen to have four fantastically gifted professional wrestlers in this match if Ali can get Effie to focus <laughs> which is always a big if it's a big challenge. <laughs> He's got a lot going on. I mean, I'd be distracted too. Yeah, no, I agree. It seems like these big GCW weekends just don't make for good opportunities for for Allie to keep Effie's eyes on the prize here. You know, no. after what happened against Pheromones He's, in he's LA. Jugg- he's juggling a lot juggling a lot of hats and uh <laughs> some of them someone's going to kick in his face. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and of course, and then of course, Bussy, beloved throughout the the GCW world, oh, yeah. the pro wrestling world, like you know, what what else can you say about the the reputation that Bussy has built for themselves? Really, one of the premier tag teams on the independent scene today. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, but yeah, like this match was it started off with a whole lot of of fun interchanges between you know Effie and Allie and Pimpy as Effie continued to be distracted by by Pimpy, um, you know, whether it be Pimpy going out of the ring to get, you know, Bezos from the fans and Effie being jealous that he doesn't get one. <laughs> just all the great little nods. Yes. It's just it's just so good. Like all the, the callbacks to their to that singles match they had in Dallas last yeah. year too were, were were a whole lot of fun. And then like after like that you obviously you still get to see Pimpy who, you know, for being in in her fifties at this point, my God, still so fluid in the ring. Oh yeah. That's um you know clearly you know unfortunately in the twilight of her career, but so so capable and talented still. Yeah. So much so much more to give. And you know, really I think the crowd and all of us are always lucky to get to see more of them. Um, and, you know, getting to see Pimpinella work with besides Sonny and then up against Allie and Effie is always fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just, they, they all bring so much fun. And I mean, I feel, I feel like I'm overusing that word, but <laughs> it's, it's so true of these shows mm-hmm. is that he, it can, if you watch a lot of wrestling, wrestling can become a slog. 
sometimes. Not every show is going to excel as much as every other show. Sometimes two to three hours of wrestling is hard to wade through. Um, but I've never been bored by a gay brunch. In in eight gay brunches. And, you know, part of that is that they always bring something different. Because even if I know the card looks solid, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to come up with something I would never have thought of. <laughs> they're they're going to approach it in a different way. They're going to react to the crowd because of the way the crowd is reacting to a specific thing. You know, something's going to make it feel special. And and this was a very special main event for the show. It really was, especially once Sonny got into the ring. Yeah. Once Sonny got the tag in, like, you you could see, like, Sonny was out, like, with this mindset of something to prove in Absolutely. a way. Or at least that's how I read it. Like, it's like Sonny was just on point throughout the rest of the well, match. I think Sonny and Allie the, together. The timing, I think the timing of the world finding out that Sonny was no longer going to be contracted by AEW um, right around the time that this match was going to happen really, you know, potentially ramped up the pressure on Sonny because now there's extra eyes in a different way. But it's also a great opportunity to prove herself and shine and remind those who may have forgotten, I don't know how you could, but just in case you did, that Sonny is so, so fucking good. Yes, yes. Like, I think that I, I especially point to the interactions between her and, and Allie, because like, like, if if by some miracle, this is the first time you've ever seen Sunny Kiss work, go find Sunny Kiss versus Effie from Enjoy. Yes. That's yes. that's if I could tell you to watch one Sunny Kiss match to understand what the fuck she is capable of. That's the one. <laughs> that is a very good one to point people to. Um, because it also so there's just so much intensity that that exudes from from Sunny in the ring, and Ali is the mm -hmm. perfect dance partner for that because like Effie yeah. is an intense individual, obviously an intense personality. Ali just has a different, like a little bit higher gear sometimes. Well, with that too, Effie's intensity sometimes comes from his chaos. Yes, whereas Ali's intensity leans a little bit more from just like. Oh, you're gonna fuck me up, aren't you? Oh, yeah, gonna fuck me up, aren't you? Like, <laughs> it's a like, little of those, those together, and then you're like, oh, I want to see what's gonna happen. She just throws herself into the fire, like guns blazing, yeah. no fucks to give, and and it is always, I I I love an alley catch hot tag anytime. Oh yeah, always so great. good. Yeah, but her right. and Sunny so well together. Obviously, Sunny and and Effie work very well together. It got shades of that enjoy match at mm -hmm. times during this too um but just uh, it was just so i think i just th for this match like i kind of turned my analytical brain off a little bit and just really like just soaked in like what all of these people meant to this stage and what, what it meant what to the, have them all together in this match what what the existence of this match in the main event of gay brunch 7 the eighth iteration of this show means is is on its own so powerful for for what all that all of them have meant to wrestling and to the advancement and growth of queer wrestling in the independent scene and on TV and you know Pimpinela internationally it's it's just so special. 
Yeah, very, very much so. And, you know, obviously Pimpy and, and Sonny end up pulling out the win here over Bussy, um, which leads well, I mean, us into the... F oh, sorry. Effie's just got too much going on. You know, oh, of course. Best, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, at the same time, no shame in losing to Pimpy and Sonny. No, at all. not at all. You know, two, two extremely capable individuals and, uh, yeah, did pick up the win here. And, <laughs> you know... It's big gay brunch. It's not a big gay brunch until Effie makes me cry at the end of the show. As always. So. <laughs> which it's, I think is what we do now. <laughs> which Effie's words post match really spoke to what we talked about, you know, the you know, the the sharing, like speaking to Sonny directly about how talented Sonny is and mm -hmm. you know where where Sonny belongs. And that sort of thing, like and and seeing you know and Sonny get potential. visibly emotional, yeah, and you know really you know Sonny has been doing her best as to to shine in AW, which is not a system that is easy for everyone, and not a system that has been very conducive or empowering of what she's capable of, and so getting to I can imagine kind of coming off the emotional weight of that news breaking and everyone talking about it and the deluge of support from fans saying, fuck AEW, how could you let Sunny Kiss go? She's so amazing. You know, I really hope that Sunny was able to see some of that and carry that into this and then get the crowd reaction, the flowers from Effie, you know, the, the moment she deserves. Oh, definitely. Definitely a well-deserved uh, moment to, to highlight exactly what she has meant and to the people there, the people that she's in the ring with, and just how supremely talented she is and where she deserves to be in terms of, you know, the pro wrestling landscape. Yeah. Just amazing to see. And then, of course, Effie celebrating Pimpy, as he always does. <laughs> yes, as, as always. Yes. Um, you know, highlighting the legacy and then a little dancing to close us out because of course. the vibes are always high. Of course. If Pimpy's in the ring, you're not going to end the night with, without some dancing. Come on. And finally yeah. getting that I base mean, off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and of course, like like we said before, like Pimpy just grabbing the mic and and you know, shouting out all of the fans and, and all of the love that, yeah. that, that she still has for, for this and, and this moment celebrating the community and everything like that. Just really awesome to see. I, I, Pimpy's personality is just electric. Oh, and yeah. I, I, you know, I, I keep, I watch plenty of Lucha. I don't watch enough. I need to keep watching. Was, I need to watch more. There's only so many hours in the day and there's a lot of wrestling. Oof, you're telling me. <laughs> I know I'm preaching to the choir there, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just reminding you, okay, so you yes. don't beat yourself up on that. But yeah, I mean, there's a you know decades worth of legacy content and Pimpinella being amazing in the ring, and always great to get the opportunity to see her shine. For sure. Um, and of course, that closes the book on Big Gay Brunch number seven. 
here in the States. And I guess we're going to be now on the, the six month or so road to the next one in Philly next year uh, during yeah. WrestleMania weekend. That'll um, be interesting. It will be interesting. I fully expect to, to be, get another regional they're, battle. They're, oh, I, I'm just thinking about some people in Pittsburgh. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. about I'm thinking about some some fighters who could fight. I know some people in Pittsburgh. I know some people in the Boston area. Yeah. Yep. Could, I know some people down potential. in the district in DC. Yeah, that too. They might have something to say it's, too. When you, when you get over there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of options. And and you know, we really it's the you know, true of wrestling always card subject to change, but true of the scene itself, you know, we could book the card now and the entire scene could shift in the next several months because you never know who's going to gain momentum. You never know who's going to get their moment to shine. And so, you know, it, it's uh, truly an embarrassment of riches in the queer wrestling today in the best way. It's, it is such a wonderful more wonderful change from when we were growing up more talent than any of the promoters know what to do with yeah god it is it is oh sorry i'm just like it just sometimes it hits me harder than it does at other at other moments just like just how wonderful the moment that we are in in terms of pro wrestling Mm -hmm. right now it's just it's just it's you know, we always talk about, you know, there's always room to grow and there's always progress to be made, but yeah, it's, we have to try and not forget the progress that's been made. Yeah. And, and the, the vast difference, you know, the industry of today is compared to the industry of five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why shows like the big gay brunch, um, and all of the various pride shows and LGBTQ focus shows that happen, you know, across the world that are, whole, yep. you know, queer led or queer inclusive. Exactly. Just, just the sheer scope of what we see in pro wrestling now, like it's just, uh, these are the thing, kind of things that provide those moments for everybody just kind of stop for at least like two or three hours and have a moment to celebrate those, those wins, even as we continue yeah. to fight for more ground the ground that we deserve um it's so honestly the uh the pride is a riot vibe really fits these shows yeah you really get the full picture because yeah we're gonna have a lot of fun we're gonna do some great stuff we're gonna put on a great show and we're gonna remind everybody that where people are fucking here they're fucking good and y'all need to wake up Wake up and fucking book these people, damn it. <laughs> give, give them their money. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. A thousand times. Yes. Um, well, Patches, any final thoughts on Big Gay Brunch number seven? Uh, just it's it's just so great to see every time. I've it, it's almost it's really nice in a comfy, safe way that Big Gay Brunch just feels like a thing we do now, a couple times a year. It's just part of the routine, like it's tradition. It's we we do it, you know, frequently, and 
you know, I'm, I'm always happy to come on the show and talk about it, but every single one that we've seen has been special in its own way. And the fact that we now get to be like, you know, making their gay brunch debut and uh, focusing on, oh, callbacks to previous gay brunch matches as opposed to, holy shit, there's a match with all queer card. Because that's what it was the first time. Yeah, It, it was, oh, this is a thing we can do. And now it's, no, this is a thing we keep doing and we're going to keep doing and you need to catch up or the industry is going to leave you behind. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> well, Patches, thank you again for taking the time to uh, to come on the show yeah. and, and chat thank about the show with on. me. Of course. Let everybody know where they can find you online and where they can check out your work. Uh, at Let Them Wrestle is pretty much where I'm talking about wrestling nowadays um on tiktok and instagram occasionally uh we're there as well but generally uh i i cannot let go of the sinking ship so i'm mostly on twitter um which is only what i will call it uh also um at patches chance on twitter and uh you know if if you haven't heard our flag means death season two coming to HBO yes. Max on october 5th uh check out at ofmd frames our flag means death frames. That's where I mostly talk about that show. Um, we're all having a blast getting excited for season two because uh, unfortunately executives ruin everything. Um, and uh, New York comic-con is going to have a massive panel with six people from the show while season two is airing. It's the biggest panel we've ever had for this show. And they're not allowed to talk about the show. Mm. Now I say that, it's going to be complete and utter chaos in the best way, regardless. Oh, of course it is. But, you know, uh, always great to kind of remind people that, you know, just like there's great queer wrestling out there, there's great queer, great queer television out there as well. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here to support that and get the word out because HBO Max only does the bare minimum um, because we want a season three. I, I am with you on that. I was, I'm very happy that you turned me on to that show because I'm normally not into anything pirate. And I'm glad that on your uh, suggestion, I gave it a shot because that show has been uh, an extremely large breath of fresh air when it I comes tell, to queer art. I, I tell everyone I can about it, um, not just because I love it and enjoy it and like to think about it a lot because I, I really do, but – it is, like you said, a breath of fresh air in that it is so queer from every angle, multiple canon queer relationships. It is a rom-com at heart, um, but it is an improvisational comedy sometimes that, you know, it's got theater energy. It gets real silly, um, but they know how to kick you in the gut when the emotion needs to get cranked up. And so it's a very special show, and I'm excited to see what they can do with the season two. Likewise, likewise. I'm looking forward to when that drops on October 5th myself too. Um, but yeah, Patches, again, thank you. Great to be here. Thank you once again to Patches for taking the time to come on the show and chat about uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunch number seven. Just a stellar card. It's a stellar show. Um, I highly suggest anybody that hasn't seen it yet to check it out and if you have seen it 
there are plenty of matches on there to relive over and over again. I am very excited for what the Big Game Brunch is going to bring to Philadelphia uh, next WrestleMania weekend, March, April, that area of time. Not just because of all of the wrestling talent that Patches and I were alluding to at the end of the show there in and around the, the Philadelphia and the greater Northeast um, area, but more so just to continue to see the growth of one of pro wrestling's most affirming spaces uh, out there and, and to see more and more of those types of spaces popping up again. Like I cannot reiterate enough how amazing it is to be in this moment, this particular moment of pro wrestling history that that we are in, that it's being created right in front of our eyes, you know? And not everybody gets the chance to really live in those kind of moments. Um, so I don't take it for granted. I certainly hope that the rest of y'all don't take it for granted. And <sighs> one foot in front of the other one, we're going to keep down this journey. We're not stopping, ever. <laughs> um, that's going to do it for this week though we are stopping for right now <laughs> but um, but come back next week uh, we're going to have another great uh, interview and, and guest as we always do here on the show um, hopefully I will be feeling a bit more uh, like myself you know more than a week out <laughs> from, from surgery um, I do want to highlight real quick that uh, the Terry Funk uh, episode of Required Reading that was released on the Patreon for free is now in this podcast feed too. So definitely go check that out if you haven't listened to the show Required Reading yet um, or want to get a taste of like some of the bonus content that we have on Patreon for the, sh for the show. Um, you know, Hollis and I, it's a whole lot of fun first off, but, you know, I feel like really getting to stretch our legs in this way again, in, in terms of like media critique and media discussion and media analysis, like it's just, it's a blast. It's a whole lot of fun. Granted, the, this time around when we talk about uh, Roadhouse, it's not necessarily diving deep into themes. It's more so just us having our cake. Uh, but, um, but yeah, like I, I really enjoy doing that show over at patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. But the Terry Funk episode where we talk about Terry Funk's 1983 retirement match and as well as the movie Roadhouse um, is up in the podcast feed there for everyone to listen to. If you want to unlock the other shows that we have done in the required reading series, as well as other bonus shows that we have done on the podcast or on the Patreon, rather, um, you can go over and, uh, join the roster of lovelies over at patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod, uh, join names like Val Capone, uh, Jerry legend and Alex E there and subscribe at the $5 tier and you unlock all the bonus shows there. We post at least one a month. Um, and you know, the, I, as previously stated on, on that show, like the Terry Funk episode always is going to be free because I think we all should be able to celebrate Terry Funk's legacy. The same goes for our show this month, the September show, because we're, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about Bray Wyatt and I'm not even sure which uh which what film uh hollis is going to pick after i show him the match that i have 
planned to show him from the Bray Wyatt catalog. Um, but yeah, that's going to be free for everyone as well. Um, just didn't feel right to keep those particular ones behind a paywall. So keep an eye out for that over on the Patreon. That'll eventually make its way to the podcast feed as well later this month, early October. So um, definitely be on the lookout there. Uh, with all that being said, though, uh, we will see you next week. Until then, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And all hail the golden slut. Bye. Everybody's ready to die. They didn't see it coming from the top of the bridge. She made a deal with the